Hi, Covenant Christian Church. It's Casey Melissa down here at the point at Dawson Creek, the outdoor worship center that we all love. We're so honored to be asked to read scripture today, to be a part of the worship center, the worship service for all of us. And uh, we, uh, we miss you and we love you and we look forward to connecting together at the earliest chance that we can. Now let us hear from the word of God. This is from the New International Version, the book of Luke, verse, uh, chapter 24, verses 44 to 53. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of all these things. I'm going to send you what my father had promised. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. The ascension of Jesus. When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he had blessed them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Really appreciate Casey taking a uh, uh, taking a moment to to read scripture for us this morning, and what a backdrop uh, for for this scripture reading this morning um, at beautiful Camp Caroline. Uh, let's go to God in prayer. God, as we come around Your Word, we pray that Your Spirit would be present to us, that it would fill these words, that it would fill our hearts, that it would surround your people, that your word would stir up something in us that helps us to see you clearly and gives us eyes to see and ears to hear the work you have for us to do. We pray, God, that you will uh, be with us now, that you would shape us and form us as your disciples. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Over these past weeks, we've been uh, journeying together through this uh, sermon series that we've called um, Now What? Uh, appropriately titled, I think, for this season when uh, all of us are sort of looking around and wondering uh, what to do next and, and how we might be called to um, to live out these times and what does it mean for us to be uh, in uh, right relationship with God and one another uh, right now uh, when things are so strange. And so our last installment of this um, uh, Now What series is I'm a Witness, Now What? 
most of the time when we use the word witness, uh, we think of someone <clears throat> who has seen something bad, actually. They've seen something that is uh, terrible or tragic or something that uh, has, to, um, has to do with a crime. Uh, he was a witness to a deadly car accident, so he knows who is at fault. Uh, she was a witness to an assault, and she has to testify uh, about this very traumatic experience that she can't forget. Uh, children are witness to domestic violence. Uh, right now, with the ubiquitous nature of video, uh, all of us are witness uh, in, in so many uh, painful and, and, and terrible ways to violence against uh, people of color that sort of degrades life and, and shows us um, how tragic it is when life is thrown away. Uh, being a witness to something profound like that can change your identity. It can change who you are. Uh, to be a witness is actually to have seen something that you have a responsibility to share. Because if you're a witness and you are uh, called upon to, to share that information, then you've seen something that, that nobody else has seen or that is, is, is um, a priority for, for other people to, to hear your perspective so that they can know and understand what is happening because if you don't speak up, then who will? Uh, if you don't speak up, then how will those who, who could not have seen or who did not see know what happened? Uh, I've watched uh, many hours of Law and Order and so I'm kind of an expert on these things, but I've seen lots of scenes where you had a district attorney or you had a detective and they were talking to a witness who was hesitant to testify and they're, they're trying to implore and trying to, to get those people to see the responsibility that a witness has. You have this knowledge. Only you can speak to this. And so if you don't speak up, then, then how will there be justice? Or how will we make sure that the same thing doesn't happen to somebody else? How, how will you ever make peace with what you saw if you don't speak up and talk about it? And so there's witness in that context, but there's also such a thing as being witness to beauty to being a witness to, to wonderful and marvelous things. And we are no less responsible for sharing those parts of our lives, the things that we are witness to, than we are to seeing the ugly stuff. We are just as responsible for sharing the truth and the beauty that we see around us. And these disciples uh, in our passage, these disciples who have been with Jesus uh, since the very beginning, they have seen both of these things. They've seen the difficult and they have seen the beautiful. And they've seen lots of them sometimes at, at the same time. They were with Jesus on the hillside when uh, there were so many people and there wasn't enough for everyone to eat. And uh, all of a sudden there was not only enough for everyone to eat, but there was more than enough. Uh, they were with him when there were people around him who were healed from lifelong illnesses and were restored to belonging where once they had been isolated, uh, they were with him when uh, folks around him who had institutional power, religious power, political power, uh, were doing their best to trip him up. Um, they were there and they saw it when he was arrested in the garden, uh, when things got heavy and he was struggling to, uh, to accept what was about to happen. They were, there and their hearts were broken when he was gone. Uh, and then they were shocked into disbelief when uh, he was with them again. And now this is a sort of a turning point because the, uh, their part of the story is, is about to begin. 
Uh, they've mostly been, the disciples have mostly been spectators at this point, or they've been foils, people for, for Jesus to interact with. But now Jesus is turning uh, this story on to them. He is leaving them as a, in a physical sense, and now they have a responsibility uh, that, uh, that they've been preparing for, it turns out, all this time. And so what will be known of Jesus, he says now, will be because of these ones who were witnesses to it. He says, you are witnesses of these things. You are the ones who have seen all of this. It's your job now to tell about it. And in Jesus, what they have seen is, is God's desire for all of creation what God's heart is for all of creation. They've seen restoration where there was brokenness. Uh, they've seen justice where there is where iniquity. They have seen liberation for people who have been oppressed. And now they're being drawn into this work that Jesus came to do. Now they have a part to play. It's not just that they are bystanders. They are being drawn in as witnesses. And so the remaking of the world that, that God is doing will not just be something that God is doing in Christ. It will be something that, that the body of Christ actually becomes plural. It's not just that, Jesus, that God works things out through, uh, through Christ, who is the individual Jesus of Nazareth, but that also uh, God will work out the salvation of the world through Christ, who is also plural, the body of Christ. All of the people who are drawn in as witnesses become the body of Christ that Paul talks about later in, the, in his letters. The hands and the feet and the eyes and the mouth and those who are there uh, to be Christ present, even as Christ personally is not present with the people. The body of Christ is both singular and plural. We call it the church. It's made up of witnesses who manifest Christ's presence, and they do it in all kinds of times and places. They do it in all kinds of ways. They do it in ways that are ordinary. They do it in ways that we do it in ways that are miraculous. Uh, we are constantly about this work of trying to make Christ present in the world that we live in. And this is a high calling. Uh, it's a little bit, if you were paying attention, it's a little bit intimidating. Uh, there are um, lots of things that come with it. And the disciples have not always understood all the things that come with it, have they? They have misunderstood so much along the way. In fact, in the passage just before the one that Casey read for us, uh, Jesus is gathered by the hillside, and it says that gathered with the disciples by the shore, and Jesus talks about um, talks with them about the scriptures and about how uh, about their misunderstanding. And it, Luke tells us actually that the disciples were joyful but they were still disbelieving and wondering. In other words, they had that joy that, that Randy was talking about, that, that joy that something special was happening, but their minds were still closed and they were still not quite sure of what Christ was calling them to. And it says that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures in light of what they had seen and heard. And so this is preparation that Jesus is doing. It's empowerment. And it's a reminder that those of us who are now present-day witnesses of the work that Jesus do, is doing, that, um, that we are still to be taught by him, we are still to be shaped by him, 
Uh, we still need to have our minds opened and we still need to be drawn into curiosity. <clears throat> we still need to be confronted by the teachings of Jesus. We still need to be pushed beyond our current way of seeing. And so these are the kinds of witnesses that Jesus sends in, into the world. He, he takes these people who were once closed-minded and, and not sure, and he opens their minds and sends them out with a sense of faith and understanding. He sends out people who have borne witness to the power of Jesus to change their lives, not just the lives of other people, but people who are also deeply aware of how Jesus has changed and continues to change their own life. And so we also follow in the footsteps of these disciples that Jesus has made his partners in remaking the world, sent out as witnesses to tell the truth about what they have seen, what they know, what they experience. Sends them out into the world. The problem for us right now is that out into the world is precisely where we are not trying to go. Uh, which tempts us to think maybe that, our, that all of our witnessing and all of our living out our call to be witnesses to the power of Christ is going to have to wait. That we're going to have to put so much of what it means to be disciples and witnesses of Christ on hold until we figure out again what it means to be uh, back together in, uh, in faith, in church, in the normal routines that we're used to. It's difficult to think about because if this were a pre-COVID Sunday, I might take this time uh, and, uh, and explain, you know, some of the things that, um, that we might do as a church uh, to venture out into our community, both near and far, uh, to venture out into uh, places where we might be called to be witnesses. I might su suggest some ways where we might increase our collective witness to those around us and carry in our state, around the world, some practical things we can do together to witness to what we believe Christ has done in the world. Not solely in the sense of evangelism, but, but working for justice in the world both near and far, and working for equity in the world, uh, both near and far, life and health and material needs for those who are lacking, as a way of saying, doing all of these things as a way of witnessing to what we believe is true. And all of those things are hampered to some degree now, are changed by, to some degree now because of the situation that we live in. All of the old patterns that we have of interacting with the world have been disrupted, disrupted even interacting within our own community. But to believe that we cannot be witnesses right now is to take for granted an opportunity. Because in fact, staying home, we feel like we're doing nothing, but staying home is not a passive thing. Wearing a mask is not a small thing. Washing your hands Physical dis distancing, listening to and following the recommendations of experts are not small things. All of those things are thing we make, things we make active choices about to show what we, to witness to what we believe is true. And they're not only acts of self-preservation. They're not acts that are just for to protecting ourselves. They are acts of solidarity with and for the most vulnerable among us. 
They are simple but profound signs of the belief that our teacher and our savior has given us. This is what we witness when we witness the life of Jesus. We witness what it means to live with compassion and particular care for those around us who are marginalized. And the people in our world, in our communities, who have been most profoundly affected by this disease are the elderly, minorities, and the poor. And so the church, disciples of Jesus, the body of Christ, is called to witness to what we believe is true about how that Christ interacted with the world by acting in the best interest of those who are marginalized. It's not just about us or about me. It's about those around me who are most at risk. And so the church, there's been lots of questions about the church and and the church being essential and the church being necessary, but the church that continues to put uh, the needs of its neighbors first is a church that witnesses to the self-emptying love of Jesus especially that puts its love for its neighbors that are under constant threat first. Our wit- so our witnessing does not have to wait. It doesn't have to wait until COVID is over, whenever that might be. We can be witnesses right now to what we think is true about the Jesus that we have seen at work in the world and in our own lives. Now, it's also true It's also true that we have been forced to think more imaginatively about what it means to be witnesses outside the framework of the church life that we have known. We are not functioning anymore necessarily in our committees or in our ministries or or in ways that we are used to programmatically. But there are all kinds of ways to witness to what we believe is true. And if we are being asked to be more imaginative and more creative in the ways that we find uh, to share our witness and to tell our story, then uh, for me, all the better. There are all kinds of ways to witness to what we believe is true. We have actually a story as the foundation of our faith that shows us that Even though there is pain, even when there is pain, even when there is difficulty and grief, that in the midst of that, there can still be grace and beauty. And so right now we have the opportunity to tell that story to a world that is hurting and a world that is grieving. We have an opportunity not only to tell that story, but to embody that story, to live as people uh, who can witness to uh, the profound power of Christ to make all things new. And so what does it mean then to witness in a moment like this? We've been made a witness to the power of Jesus to make, thing, make all things do. Now what? We are confined to our spaces. It means that we can engage creatively. We can look around us, down our streets, in our cul-de-sac, in the places where we live and work, even though our circles have changed, maybe the people around us and the people down the street from us, we are able to focus in a more intimate way on the people around us who need to know love and care. And we have an opportunity to witness uh, to what um, 
to what we believe is true, that even though we're in the midst of this particular moment, that it is possible for love, for mercy, for grace, for compassion, for giving to still uh, rise even in the midst of it. We are a people who believe that, um, believe that, that in Christ, God became flesh and dwelled among us. And that God shows up in ordinary things. We are gathered around the table in a minute and remember that Jesus showed up in bread and cup. Simple, ordinary things. And so a church that says, you know, actually, we don't need to be in our building together. We don't need a particular way of, of gathering together. We don't need a particular way of worshiping. Actually, that God shows up in all kinds of ways, that God will not and cannot be limited, that we will continue to worship uh, no matter where we are, no matter how we are, no matter what words or, or songs that we have to use or, or ways that we have to sing or ways that we have to gather. We can worship anytime, anywhere, because our God is an incarnate God who shows up wherever, wherever God chooses. And we never know uh, just where uh, that will be. And so the question then for each of us is, what does it mean right now for us to be a witness? Uh, if, if Christ has had a profound impact on your life, if you have had your eyes lifted, if you have had your heart opened, if you have uh, been able uh, to see uh, resurrection even in the midst of death, then you have known for yourself the power of Christ. If you have been able to hold on to hope, if even in these last 10 weeks you have been able to laugh or to smile or to feel joyful or to see beauty, then you are a witness to what God is doing. And so the question becomes, how can I live that out for the world? How can I share what I see God doing? Even in the midst of this moment that God is still making us new every day. Amen.